What's up, YA? How are you guys? Good, man. I feel like I just watched uh, the Scott's Tots episode of The Office. It was that awkward. You know what I'm talking about. You, you get that 100%. Hey, welcome to Young Adults. It's awesome to see you guys. Um, it's been a big uh, year kind of so far for the Young Adult staff. Really quick, the, the wonderful, the talented Charlotte Areno is no longer Charlotte Areno. She is now Mrs. Charlotte Soriano as of about a week ago. She married one of the coolest guys I've ever met, and they're on their honeymoon right now, which means they're not missing any of us. And so here's, here's to them. And then my wife and I are going to have a baby. Thank you. Thank you. I did so much. So much. And when I say we're going to have a baby, namely, I mean my, my wife. She's the one that's going to have a baby. Like, women, you guys are amazing. What you got, you can literally create and grow in an, another human being, like, inside of you. Like, that's insane to me. Like, my whole contribution, I need to be careful how I say this, to the life-creating process is, is over. It's done. Like, what men do compared to women, like, y'all are awesome. You're amazing, all right? And here's to you as well. Whitney Best, a couple months ago, she, like, she came up to me and she said it was like such a, a serious, heartfelt moment. She was like, aren't you just like, you're, you gotta be so just kind of crushed that you'll never get to experience what it's like to, to grow another human being inside of you and then give birth to such a precious life. Like, aren't you just so sad you'll never get to do that? And I was like, I've never thought that once in my entire life. For the record, Wit, no, I'm not bummed about that. Not at all, but I will give credit where credit is due, women. You guys are amazing. My wife, she's a boss. She's a beast. She's a trooper already, and I'm not just saying that to get brownie points. I don't need any. My brownie point bank account is full to the brim, right? I'm just saying that out of just an overflow of what's in here. So, welcome to Young Adults. Welcome to How to Social, our brand new series on communicating or on community and, and interacting. And I think you guys are really going to like this series. It's going to be a little different. You'll see what I mean. First of all, if you have your Bibles here, go ahead and get those out and go to Matthew chapter 20. If you have your Bible, like an actual Bible, can you hold it up right now so the rest of us can cheer for you guys, the real heroes? And, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this just really quick, and this is not like, if you, if you have a Bible on your phone or, or nothing, like, I'm not knocking on that at all, okay? I promise you. I'm just, like, there was a time in my life, uh, like, a few years after I became a Christian where I actually started um, bringing, like, a, a real Bible with, with paper and ink and genuine leather that had my name on the cover. It didn't really have that, but you can get that. if That's an option at the stores if you want that. But I started like reading it for myself, and I'd bring it to church, and I'd listen to the person up on, on the platform preach from it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually, like that's in here. I see, and this is less intimidating now, and this is less confusing now. And so just throwing it out there, food for thought, maybe think about uh, getting a Bible. If you don't, that's fine, but you might look more spiritual and maybe have a better opportunity of getting a date if you actually have a Bible in your lap when you come to church on Thursdays and Sundays. I'm just saying, sometimes it works. I'm just trying to help. But if, if not, like, God loves you the same, phone Bible, real Bible, or screen Bible, whatever you use, he loves you the same, okay? The opposite sex might not, but he does. And so, <laughs> Matthew chapter 20. Uh, really quick, we're going to title this message, 
the laws of social generosity. The laws of social generosity. All right, and really quick for this story, you need to understand, in Matthew, it is the first book in the New Testament, right? About two-thirds of the way through your Bible, in case you're new to the Bible. And Jesus uh, spent a lot of his ministry just telling stories, telling people stories. That's pretty much all he did. Um, and he did that to kind of explain to us what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so you need to understand, there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of the world, and there's the kingdom of heaven. Both are very real and both are here, all right? And so this story we're about to read, first of all, if you're a fair person at all, a logical person, you're going to absolutely hate the story that Jesus is about to tell. Like if you're a hardworking guy, you know, if you're or gal, if you are an American, you're going to hate this story. This is going to bother you to your core, okay? Are you excited to read it? Matthew 20, starting in verse 1. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day. A denarius is one day's wage. And he sent them into his vineyard. Then about nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing absolutely nothing. So he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And so he's leaving the paycheck. It's a mystery. He's keeping it exciting right now. I'll pay you whatever is right. And so they went. The landowner, he went out again about noon and then about three in the afternoon and did the exact same thing. And then again at about five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around not doing anything. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because nobody has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, he said, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. So by the way, everybody knows the ones who have been working longer, should be get, should, they should get paid more for the more hours that they work. That's what's fair. That's what's logical. The workers who were hired at about five in the afternoon, the last ones to go out into the fields, they came and each of those workers received a denarius. So that's funny. For 60 minutes, they receive an entire day's wage. So when those who were hired first came, they expected to receive more. I would too. But each one of them also received a denarius, the exact same thing. This is where I start to get a little angry. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. By the way, so would you and so would I. These who were hired last worked only an hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work and the heat of the day? Like, this person is like, and I agree with him, he's like, we're the better employees. Like, give us a raise. Like, at least make one of us employee of the month, you know? Like, this, this gets me, man. It really does. And, and probably because I spent three years of my life in high school working for Subway for three years. And, uh, yeah, you didn't know that. For Subway for three years. And, like... This is amazing because the turnover rate at Subway is so high it would make you laugh. Nobody lasts like three months, let alone three years, except for me. And I was employee of the month for a lot of those months. And I showed up on time every day. I never called in sick. I was as cool then as I am now, which is not very cool. And I, uh, I guess, yeah, now you know, I actually am a very, very talented artist of sandwiches. I bring beauty and excellence into the world via sandwiches and I work hard and so I read stories like this and I'm like pay them more in your fictitious story Jesus 
But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? I'm like, so sneaky. Take your pay and go. I want to give, underline that word give. See, if you have a Bible, you can actually underline it. You can't do that on your iPhone. Actually, you can do that on your iPhone. <laughs> Steve Jobs, you dog, you got us. <laughs> underline give. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? And here's the line. Here's the kicker. Here's underline this, highlight this right here. Or are you envious because I am generous? So what's happening in the story? What's Jesus trying to tell us about the kingdom of heaven? What Jesus is trying to tell us about the kingdom of heaven is that there is more than enough to go around for everybody of God's goodness, of God's love, of God's gifts and blessings and resources. There is more than enough to go around for absolutely everybody. And in this kingdom, you do not, it's not about taking what you deserve, it's about receiving what you don't. In the kingdom of heaven, it's not about taking what you deserve, it's about receiving what you don't, right? Let me ask you, who works for paychecks? Employees. Who what happened? <laughs> Employees do. You guys, come on. Who does absolutely nothing and gets gifts just because they're loved? Children do, right? Your salvation, to quote Chad from a few years ago, your salvation is not a paycheck. Your salvation is a gift. For God so loved the world that he... He gave, right? And in the kingdom of the world, you get what you deserve, but in the kingdom of heaven, you get what you don't. You receive what you don't, stuff like grace and salvation and abundant life and heaven forever and a seat at the table for the rest of eternity. Your God is that good, and he is generous to you, but he's also generous to everybody else. Do not be envious because he is generous. And so when it comes to how we social, when it comes to how to social, the world works one way, and the kingdom of heaven works another way. And it's governed by laws that are utter, uh, otherworldly, yet somehow they work. And they're illogical, but they work. And so when it comes to how we social, just like anything else, you either make everything about yourself and shrink back into your own lowercase kingdom... Or you make it about stepping into something that's bigger than yourself, into Jesus' kingdom and everything that God has for you, right? Either shrink back or expand out, right? Stinginess or generosity. Taking what you believe that you deserve or receiving what you don't. In, every, in everything that we do, but including how you social, it changes depending on which kingdom you're living by, right? It changes depending on which kingdom you're living by. And so here we go. The three laws of social generosity. You type A'ers are like, yes, three points. Look at my notes. They're going to be so good. And you're right when you say that. They're going to be good. Here we go. Law number one. If God can get it through you, then God will get it to you. If God can get it through you, then God will get it to you. 
And so let's just think of the social world right now in terms of an economy, all right? And every single one of us, we want to be rich in love and friendship and belonging. That's how God made you, by the way. That's a good thing. He did not create you to be an isolated individual. It was Mother Teresa who said this right here. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty that there is. And so if you're feeling that, please know that you're not alone and please know that you're being prayed for like crazy. Like crazy. Loneliness is, is the most terrible poverty that there is because we are social beings who were created in the image of a social God. And I would argue the thing that you want the most the thing that you want more than absolutely anything, more than money, more than a boyfriend who's going to give you chocolates next week on Valentine's Day, the thing that you want more than a puppy, right, is to know and be known by this God and to know and be known, like really known by other people, to be rich in love and friendship and belonging. And so because of that, here's what we naturally do right here. We walk around trying to basically withdraw love, friendship, and belonging from people, right? Not give, but withdraw. That just logically makes sense. But the problem is people can't give you what only God can give you. He is the source. He is the bank account that is infinite, infinitely full of love and friendship and belonging. He is the bank account. God will always be the ultimate source, okay? He will always be the ultimate source. And so when we try to withdraw those things from people, it doesn't work. God is the source. People aren't. Social media is not. Dear God, social media is not the source of love and friendship and belonging, which is why I think like as millennials, we are the most connected yet yet lonely generation in thousands of years. And I think because we try to withdraw from people instead of the source, which doesn't work, and because of that, we have nothing to then deposit into other people. Like Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, what you're gonna see is you're gonna read this. Jesus withdrew to a quiet place to be with his father. And I love that they, they use the word withdrew. He withdrew so that he could withdraw from the source so that he could turn around and deposit into the crowds, right? Like in every social situation that you ever show up to, be it YA or the lobby on Thursday nights or a party or a date, you either show up looking to withdraw something from the people that you're around or you show up looking to deposit something into the people that you're with. You either have a lack and so you show up looking to take or you show up full looking to give, right? It's either one of those two things every single time. And when all you do is take, and, and, and when you're lonely, it seems like, oh man, I need to take, I need to withdraw love, friendship, and belonging. That's log that logically makes sense, but I promise you, as long as your pattern is to withdraw, your product or your outcome will be loneliness every single time. First of all, because they can't give you what only God can give you. And secondly, because you'll end up exhausting everybody that you try to withdraw from because they know they can't give it to you. And then you're bitter and they're bitter and you try harder to withdraw and they try harder to run away, right? Because you, you've never deposited anything into their lives and you simply are just trying to take and withdraw life and withdraw like goodness and withdraw like encouragement from them all the time. But you never put anything in there to begin with. You know who does nothing but withdraw without depositing anything? 
bank robbers. And so, this is how much I love you. You'll never forget this. And so we can walk around like people in community, community beings who never make deposits into our friend's life, but we're constantly looking to withdraw. And so we walk around. We walk around like the lobby on Thursday nights like, encourage me, build me up, speak life over me, right? I want it all in 50s and in 100s, right? And I've never gone to the source to be filled up to deposit something here, but I want to withdraw. I want to take, like, build me up, right? And you look, it's a bank robber, man. That's what they do. Can you zoom in? I feel like I messed up my hair. Can you zoom in? The close camera. My hair already struggles to begin with, and so I need all the help. There we go. <laughs> well, it's not great. It's not great, but it'll do. But it's not about me anyway. It's about him. Come on, guys. Humility. Hashtag had a social. Write that down. It's not about me. <laughs> Make deposits. That's your word, right? You can't you're like, here's why we get stressed out in social situations, because you can't always control what other people are going to do. You can't control who's going to make deposits into your life, but you can control what you do, and you can control whether or not you show up ready to deposit something into somebody else's life, right? Because if you don't do that, and all you do is withdraw, like eventually you get to a place where you, you start kind of secretly grading other people on how much they suck at depositing into your life, right? And you say things like, oh, I saw her. I know she saw me. She didn't come up and say hi. Like, well, how about you didn't go up to her? Because you saw her, obviously. Like, how about you call them? How about you plan something and you invite them, right? The way in the kingdom of heaven to be rich in love and friendship and belonging. According to the illogical laws of social generosity in the kingdom of heaven is not by taking life from people. It's by giving it. Because if he, the source, can get it through you to them, then he, the source, will be faithful to get it to you. If you are a vessel, he looks down and he goes, oh, I can work with that. If he can get it through you, then he will be faithful to get it to you. This is true for money, and it's true for basically everything, for love and friendship and belonging. If God can get it through you, then God can continue to get it to you. Like, think about this. The people that you love to talk to the most are people who make you feel amazing about you. It's true. Because they're, they're depositing something into you, right? And so, just deposit. Like, it like, first of all, let's just have some real talk. In this lobby on Thursday nights with this many young adults, it, like, if you're an introvert, I can't imagine I can't imagine, like, I'm an extrovert on most days, and I work here, and I'm scared, okay? So let's simplify it a little bit. Like, every, every group, every conversation that you walk into, just do this, I swear. Go in with five questions to ask the other person about them so they can talk about them and then encourage them or speak life into something that they said, and I swear, overnight you'll be a social genius. I swear, you will. Because social media is awesome, but it's kind of robbed from us the ability to look another human being in the face and have a convert. Like, we're intimidated by that. But when the Wi-Fi is gone, we actually can realize how easy it is to be social beings with each other. 
deposit, give life. Like your words have the power, according to James, of life and death. And so speak life over people. Like Chris Durso said at the Red Conference last year, when, when you speak life, death has to evacuate, right? You speak life over people, and you know what God does? He gives life to you. Because if he can get it through you, then he will be faithful to get it to you. You have like, oh, I swear, this will change everything about your life. Not just socially, but you'll suddenly find that you're full of all the things that matter. All the eternal things, because God sees you as a vessel, and if he can get it through you to them, then he can get it to you. So if you ever feel empty, if you ever are like, oh, like my, my bank account, as far as love and friendship goes, is just low, and my feeling of belonging and life is low, then start giving. Start speaking life. It, it's counterintuitive because you think, I need to take, I need, I need somebody to build me up. And that's true, like, you will need to withdraw from people, from friends at seasons in your life because it's a, it's a dark world and God said, Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world and so you need friends that you can withdraw from. So spend now depositing into them so that there's something to withdraw from them when the time comes. But speak life whenever you're empty and God sees you as a vessel and he says, if I can get it through that person, then I can get it to that person. I swear, like, this will change. We don't have time. We have to keep going because we have a lot to talk about. This will change everything. There's your word, deposit. All you have to worry about is just not blocking the generosity that he wants to give through you to them. Just don't block it. The way he is an infinite well of all that is good and awesome. And how you get more of it is by giving away what you have. This is true for everything. Just don't block it. If he can get it through you, then he can get it to you. We gotta keep going. Law number two there are no tryouts. There are no tryouts. So I'll go first and I'll just be honest about this. Usually when I show up to any social situation, there's, and I hate this about me, but there's something deep down that feels like I need to audition for a spot in the room. I do. I need to audition. I hate that, but I feel like I'm not alone in that. We all feel, but here's the thing. Nobody in that room is concerned with my audition or how I'm being perceived because they're all concerned with their audition and how they're being perceived. Like, we're so funny. Like, we're funny creatures, and when we become Christians, I feel like the competition for a place in the room, this hypothetical place in the room, just gets, like, it gets crazier and, and, and like bigger, which is weird because the word tryouts implies that there's only a certain amount of spots at the table. But let me tell you, you have, Christian, you have a seat at the table with Jesus for the rest of eternity. Your name's on it right now waiting for you. You do not need to audition for that spot. Jesus said, like, you, you, don't, you do not need to, to fight to, to be there. You have a seat for the feast with the Son of God. And it's chicken and fish. You don't have to choose. And a perfect glass of red Mountain Dew, code red Mountain Dew. Jesus said, I want my house full. I want it full. So stop competing over the best crumbs when you have an invitation to the table for the feast. In the kingdom of heaven, there are no tryouts. There are only invitations. And everybody gets one. Stephen Furtick said it like this. Stop auditioning and start contributing. And I would say it's only once you stop auditioning that you can actually start contributing. Like if God is, this, is, is infinite in every way, 
And there is enough of his goodness and blessings and opportunities and gifts and resources to go around. Until you get that, you will always feel insecure, like you need to compete, like your image that you make for everybody else to see is really better than the substance that's in here. And so we build up our images, and we put it out there to audition against everybody else's images, which is why if you're anything like me, you'd way rather send a text than have a conversation on a phone. Because if I can carefully craft a text, I can make you believe a lot of awesome things about my image, like I'm funny and super spiritual and super smart and confident all at the same time even though none of that's true but I can do it via that because I'm so worried about my image auditioning with everybody else so we compete we compete for love and friendship and belonging and as long as your vision or your your perspective of God's goodness and resources and, and love is that it's limited then it's never enough for you to be right somebody else will always have to be wrong it's never enough for you to be beautiful. You have to be more beautiful than her, right? It's never enough for your political opinion to be right. That side has to be wrong. It's not enough for you to have all the answers. They have to be idiots and ignorant for you to disagree with, right? Like it's not enough to have like 300 likes on your Instagram, like if that's your new PR on Instagram. That's not enough if your friend got 310 likes. Like, it's weird, but it's so, it's so true. This is why, by the way, we secretly celebrate the failures in other people. We do. All of us do. And it's not because we're happy their life sucks. We just feel better about ourselves. This is why, by the way, that we gossip also. And please know, I, I, I'm preaching to myself, guys. I promise you. But this is why, this is why we gossip. This is why we show up and say, oh, my gosh, did you hear, like, did you hear about, yeah, this is what he did, this is what she did, and I'm only telling you because you need to be praying about it, except you're not really praying about it, you're just, that's your spiritual excuse to get together and, and build yourselves up at their expense because they failed, and now your audition of your image looks just a little bit better, right? And how scarce is your God's goodness if that's really how you feel? There is an infinite amount of his goodness to go around. Gossip is social stinginess, believing somewhere deep down that God does not have enough for both you and them. So my, uh, my best friend, his name's Ethan, and I can tell him everything, the good and more importantly, the bad and the ugly and the dark. And the reason I can confess and say those things to him and have those conversations is because with Ethan, I don't, ha I'm, I don't feel like I have to audition I don't feel like my image needs to be better than my substance. And I don't respect him enough to care what he thinks about me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that. <laughs> but until you stop auditioning, you'll never be able to contribute, right? Matthew 5 says when we confess, we're healed. When we confess to friends. And so until you, until you stop auditioning, you'll never find healing either, right? And so I'm here to tell you. You're better in person than you are on Instagram. You are better in person than you are on Instagram, and your substance is better than your image. And this is true for you, regardless of what you've done or how you've messed up in the past, regardless of what your backstory is in this church and in front of God, and really that's, that is all that matters. Your substance is more attractive and more beautiful than the highlight reel that you got going on Instagram. He is an infinite God who did a good job when he made you. Stop auditioning so you can start contributing, right? 
Don't be afraid of your flaws, right? Don't be afraid that your substance is imperfect. Lay down your perfect image so we can know your substance, right? Diamonds, even diamonds have flaws and imperfections. That's how you know they're real. Oh my gosh, that was cheesy. I don't know where that came from. That wasn't even, I kind of don't like myself for even saying that. That was so, so true, but it's so cheesy. Ugh. I'm not auditioning though, so I'm good. You have a seat at the table. It has your name on it. Stop auditioning for it. Maybe for the first time ever since you hit puberty and you learned what an insecurity was. Stop auditioning so maybe for the first time since that moment you can enjoy a social setting. He's not giving your spot to anybody else. It's yours, not because of you, but because of the blood of Jesus. And that is a binding contract that does not change. It does not change. It's yours. There are no tryouts in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. All right. Law number three. Law number three. Here we go. The stingy get smaller, the generous get bigger. And so Judah Smith explains this concept with like circles. So this circle would represent my social generosity, right? And if anybody hurts me or wounds me or annoys me or says something mean about my sermon or puts a comment on my Instagram, well, then I can just draw a slightly smaller circle excluding them, right? This is what made, it, like, unfollow, basically, which on your Instagram account, when you have a couple hundred, a few hundred followers, that's not that big a deal. But in real life, when really maybe three, maybe two to ten people that you genuinely do life with, that's a big deal. That's what made Jesus so counterintuitive is the fact that he was generous with his circle drawing. And so you offend Jesus. You crucify Jesus. Guess what he does? I'll draw a bigger circle, including you in that circle. But us, we don't want to be relationally generous with our social circles. We want to be relationally stingy, right? Because, and, and by the way, this is normal. This is self-preservation, self-protection. You hurt me, so I'm going to draw a smaller circle, excluding you, and a smaller one, excluding you, until eventually you are the only one left in your circle. And you do not want to get to the end of your life And have your bank account of love, friendship, and belonging to read poor, right? I want to be a big deal with a big salary and yet be small on the inside and had never spoken life over somebody else or never gave my life to love somebody else, right? Said, no little kid ever, yet is the fate of so many people in our culture. The stingy gets smaller but the generous get bigger. We see this example, like the Bible starts like this. In the beginning, God. It was just God hanging out, just him. And all of a sudden, he just starts making stuff out of nowhere, right? It's just God, and, and he says stuff like this. Let us make human beings in our image. And you're reading it, and you're like, God, who are you talking to? It's just you. Like, 
God's got like a personality disorder like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Like, let us, it's just him, make them like we are, you know? And you're like, but God's a trinity. And so, like, don't think too hard on this or you'll, you'll get a headache. I've been there. It's not really fun. It's a crazy concept. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three separate entities, yet one God. This God is within himself a community, and he is a generous community. The Father is all about the Spirit and the Son. The Son is all about the Spirit and the Father, and the Spirit is all about the Father and the Son. And one day, a long, long time ago, this socially generous three-in-one God spoke the four simple words, let there be light. And when they did that, light exploded out in every single direction. And I have a feeling that was probably a pretty big bang, by the way. But ever since then, light expanding in every single direction, right? The generous get bigger. The generous get bigger and this story that he's writing is including more and more souls by the second by the like for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for whoever like how about that for a generous inclusive word the model that's been modeled for us since the beginning of time when it comes to being social is generosity that the soul that the socially generous do nothing but get bigger and the rest of the band, you guys can join me now. But I, I've had, uh, I've been very fortunate to witness this and see this modeled for me firsthand at, uh, at this church. And um, let me see. So the big circle mindset is, is in the DNA of this place. And I can say that because I have nothing to do with it. But the five directors at this church, they get invitations all the time to go to co church planting conferences all over the world and, and answer questions and give sermons because of what God is doing through Red Rocks Church in Denver. And I love it because they always tell me like, we kind of, we don't really like going that much because we kind of feel weird because we'll get up there and people will say, so what's the secret? Why, why is Red Rocks growing and getting bigger so quickly? And they're like, I, we don't like, I don't know. I don't have, like, we were never qualified to do this. We were simply just willing. That's about all we have to offer you. We take God seriously. We don't take ourselves seriously. We try really hard, and for some reason, God, he, he's, just, he's just blessing it. He's just blessing it. And I, it's true, but I kind of want to go with them so I can hop up on the stage, grab the microphone, and say what they're too humble to say. And what they're too humble to say is the third law of social generosity, and that's that the generous get bigger. And I'm not just talking about money. That's the easy one. The generous get bigger, right? So my very first week on this job, I had, I had the opportunity to hang out with, with Sean Johnson for the very first time. He said, come into my office, let's hang out, let's get to know each other. I walked in, I was super nervous, but I played it cool and sat down on the couch in his office and uh, he sat down on the other side of this coffee table and like looked at me and like peered into my soul and just he said this he said you're a dreamer aren't you and i said yes <laughs> i am <laughs> like giggling you know and he said you want to plant a church one day don't you and i thought 
yes, but nice try. I'm not going to tell my brand new boss of this church I just started working at that I have dreams and callings beyond his church. <laughs> I'm not, nice try, but I'm not going to do that. So I sat there. And then I just crumbled and I said, yes, I do. And I, I, it's God's fault, Sean. Like, he's calling. I, I'm about Red Rocks, man. I want to be here, dude. I like, like, maybe you and I both go talk to God about this because, man, like, I, I don't want to think beyond here in your church, you know. And I, I don't know, Sean. Like, maybe, I, like, I do kind of feel called to that. And I think maybe one day God could use me and my friends to, to, friends to reach a city the way he's used you and your friends to reach a city. And, and I, I don't know. I'm sorry, Sean stupid <laughs> just how insecure is that right and he he laughed and he looked at me and he said this he said awesome awesome i was hoping you'd say that he said and when and if that day comes i want you to know red rocks church has your back that we're going to help you in any way that we can help you. And we're going to be your biggest cheerleaders to help you guys go and reach more souls for the name of Jesus Christ. Because this is about him. This is about people, right? And I was like, <laughs> I knew he'd say that. But then he said this. He looked at me and he said, and 15 years from now, when you've got some young, passionate 25-year-old kid in your office who's dreaming out loud talking about the callings he think God has placed on his life, you tell him exactly what I told you, that it's not about Red Rocks Church, it is not about your church, it is about the big church with a capital C in the kingdom of heaven and lost souls coming home to know Jesus Christ. That's what this thing's about. That is generosity. That is the kingdom of heaven is big-minded and the generous get bigger. The generous get bigger. This is true even in worship also. And we're about to worship right now. And worship is essentially something that literally connects your substance to the creator. And so in worship tonight, every breath that you give, every breath that you offer in praise to him, you are literally stepping into something that is so much bigger than you into a story and a kingdom that is so much bigger than yours. And you have to do nothing to earn the right to sing to your God. There are no tryouts for this. You simply just need to literally join in with the rest of all of creation and give praise where praise is due and sing to him. Literally, the Bible says the rocks right now are crying out in silence as to how good our God is. And the oceans right now all over the world are, are roaring and rolling giving majesty and honor back to the one who created them. And even right now, in his throne room, there are hundreds of thousands of angels who can't even look at him because he's that amazing. And they're just, they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is our God. He is that worthy of praise. And that God, by the way, is here tonight to personally pick up your pieces and put you back together. That God is here tonight to personally heal you. And so my challenge to you, give yourself 
to these moments. Throw yourself into these songs. Do not miss a stanza of these songs. Make the most of every opportunity tonight because I promise you, if you do, you will feel and experience a shift in your life and higher degrees of freedom in your life because it's worship that breaks chains and it's praise that destroys whatever barrier there might be between your substance and the divine that your substance longs to be with. Can you guys lift up a shout of praise right now in this place for our God? And would you guys stand up? Would you jump to your feet right now? So we can go into worship the right way tonight. When you sing, when you use every breath, God-given breath, to praise Him. Like when you start singing tonight, like, you have no rival. You know, you start singing these songs. I know that was good. But say you start singing these lyrics and your circumstances, maybe they don't change. And maybe the same problems that you walked in here with are going to be waiting for you as soon as service is over and you walk back out there. But the thing is you start singing and then you start to remember who your God is. And you start to remember that your king is going to battle for you and he's going to bring back the head of your enemy and then have the generosity to give you the victory for it. And you start singing, you have no equal, right? And the circumstances, maybe they still haven't changed, but all of a sudden your, your perspective begins to, to shift. And all of a sudden you're seeing that circumstance in light of who your God is. And it's less intimidating. And you start to feel a little bit more full and rich of love and friendship and belonging because you're starting to connect with the source, right? You start singing and then you, you, you look and you see everything that you've ever been afraid of. Every, every attack, every battle that's coming against you. And you see those things standing next to the, this almighty, all-powerful, horrifyingly majestic God. And you know what your fears do when they stand next to your God? They cower in fear of Him. And when you see that, chains start to fall off your wrists levels of freedom happen when we take the breath that he gave us and give it back to him he is that good he is that big he is that generous he has given you your very breath right now use that breath offer it back to him and worship tonight and watch him do what he's gonna do do not miss a moment in this place tonight the bible says where two or more are gathered special things happen with the presence of god that's what we have tonight do not miss a lyric tonight you will begin to feel a shift in your heart and your spirit and your soul as you offer a praise where praise is due and let him invade your life from the inside out and change you from the inside out and shift your perspective from the inside out as you tap into the source of all the love and friendship and belonging that your soul will ever need for the rest of eternity amen so God give you tonight we give you these moments we give you every single song we don't want to miss it so give us the gift of being able to be present shut out distractions right now in the name of Jesus Christ for this moment let every breath that we take every lyric that we sing every instrument on this stage let the very fact that the people in this room are in this room tonight be the delivery system that you use to get heaven to Denver to get heaven into our lives tonight to 
shake things up, to break chains, to break barriers, to take us to new levels of freedom. This is your delivery system. Heaven invade earth, God. May we experience your goodness. May we experience your eternality tonight. And may we walk out of here forever changed because of it. God, we love you. This is for you. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, let's worship.